in a series right now. We're in a series that we're calling uh, The Story, which is really the Christmas story. And we're looking at different characters. Last week we looked at Mary. Today we're going to look at a guy named Joseph. You know this Mary and Joseph, the little nativity scene? There's always a woman, there's always a little baby, and then there's always a guy. Well, Joseph is the guy we're going to be looking at today. Is that helpful? Yeah, that's very helpful. And so we're going to be talking about Joseph today. Quite honestly, before I do our reading today, if you want to, you can start looking up Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to camp out. To be honest with you, let me just say this. I kind of have guys on my mind today. So all you women, if you want to get up and head to Denny's, go for it. Uh, I'm kidding. Here's the deal. I kind of have men on my mind. Although, although I must say, anybody can, I, I, I really believe this, almost all of my points today in some way could still impact you in a way that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to you. So as a woman, you might still hear something, and, and I, I really do believe that God might stir up in you something, and, and I pray that that would happen. But I have to admit, and I have to be honest, I've I've had men in mind, especially with this message. So just know that and hear that kind of on the front end. So let's read Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. I'm going to read this, then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get into the message, okay? Let's, let's read this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then this is, it doesn't really show it here, but this is what the prophet said. Prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I especially just pray right now for everybody in this room, those who are watching online. I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts to allowing you to stir in us, Lord. We want you to come and stir in us whatever you want to do in us. We want to look more and more like you, Lord. And we ultimately rely on your Holy Spirit to do that. So come now and speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, please. Move your people, stir your people up to the things that you have for them. And God, I pray for me that I wouldn't get in the way of this message. And instead, Lord, that I would kind of almost disappear and um, that you, God, would just, 
that we would hear from you, not hear little wise things or thoughts from Seth, but that we would actually hear your word today. Please do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, over Thanksgiving, our family kind of engaged a new tradition that we're starting to create a little bit. And, and here's what it is. Um, I, I'm, I got, we got a lot of people in our family, you know, a bunch of whom are male, a bunch of whom are female. And as some of these younger kids are coming up in age and such, we've been doing this thing where we pull aside um, kind of these, around 16 years old is kind of what my, my parents have identified a little bit, this age group, to just speak to them in kind of a unique way. Well, this past Thanksgiving, uh, two of my nephews are around that 16-year-old age spot. And so there came a moment where uh, we took the, the, these two boys, young boys, young men, down into uh, my parents' basement where we had all our hunting clothes laid out and all this kind of stuff, down into our basement. And me and my, my four brothers and my two brother-in-laws and uh, some of my nephews and my dad, and there's probably about 15 of us boys or men down in, in the basement, um, we're, we're coming around them to, to basically share with them some thoughts on what it means to be a man of God. What does it look like to be a man of God? And, and so, um, and again, this was pretty much my dad's idea to do this a little bit. And it's not like this is the big moment. Obviously, there's all sorts of moments throughout time. But this is just a moment my dad wanted to create. And so what we do is we, we all just kind of share, if you want to, share a word with them. Um, then we actually get around them and we pray over them. So we sit them down and we all lay hands on them and we're just praying for them. And um, then, and I got, I got a picture of this here. We, we, my dad buys always a really nice knife. Uh, this is a bench made. It's a really nice, uh, a good knife that we give to them that has an engraving on it that says something like, I don't know, a uh, strong, godly man on the bottom of that knife. And then this piece of paper we give to them as well. And it's signed by all of the uncles and my and grandpa, my dad. And it's signed by all the uncles, basically, to say, we're with you in this kind of life and you can reach out to us anytime. We're committing our, 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 our con we're gonna commit to walking with you in, in this pursuit of being a man. And so this was on my mind as I'm reading this text and I knew for a while now that I wanted to engage Joseph a little bit. And so as I'm reading this text from Matthew and I have this happened just a couple weeks ago, it's just all coming together where I, I honestly, I didn't want to make this message just for men, but it just kept I kept coming back to like, I have to say this, especially to the men. So I just, that's where I'm gonna lean into it today. I have three points that I'm gonna break down, what it looks like to be a man of God that we're gonna take from Joseph. And then, um, and then that's kind of it, okay? So my first point that I take from the text of what it means to be a man of God is that a man of God is somebody who's called to especially protect, I'm gonna use that word, the, the lowly or the innocent or the weak or fill it in, but a man of God is called to protect. And I see that here from Joseph uh, in verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You know, this situation where Mary and Joseph are, are engaged to each other and, and even 
more than that in a certain sense with our, within our culture. They, Mary's pregnant and Joseph's kind of like, well, what's going on there? You know what I'm saying? And Joseph's kind of like, you know, I know how this works and me and you haven't kind of whatever. And so what's up? What's up? What's up? And so the old law, the Deuteronomy law and stuff would actually say that Joseph could grab Mary by the hand, drag her out in front of the assembly and make life really, really bad for Mary. And so Joseph knows this, and instead of doing that and leaning into that, being a just man, a righteous man, he's gonna, he's, he does something here to, I don't, again, I don't see the word protect, okay? I don't see that word here, but that's what I sense him doing, is protecting Mary in a, in a sense, as far as he can. Uh, he's going to, he's going to do a move, make a move that would, Help her, even in the midst of the problem that she may have found herself in. He's going to care for her insofar as he kind of can. This is what a man of God does. A man of God is somebody who protects the people around him, especially those who might be, and, and I, I use the word weaker, not in even, I don't even know exactly what I mean. You can kind of make that mean whatever you want, I guess, but who might even be weaker in some sense maybe marginalized, maybe it's somebody who's, who's, who's um, of, of a, a greater innocence in some way or something like that. Men of God are called to protect. This is really built into who we are. Uh, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God tells Adam, this is actually interesting in this particular account, God tells Adam, you will be one who is going to, to care for you're going to work the ground and you're going to care for it. And that Hebrew word there is really guard it. Uh, you're going to protect, I'm using that word a little bit, not necessarily because it's that word, but you're going to guard it. And you're going to, you know, what is, I'm trying to think what the ESV says here. Why am I forgetting? Listen to what it says, chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To stand as, a, you know, I was looking at the Hebrew a little bit, to stand as like a, a sentry, to guard it, to be a watchman over it, to protect all of, you know, the garden, the whole thing. What does it look like for a man to be a, a, a person who protects the things around him that God's maybe put into his care? Now, it's interesting because this is also now because of sin broken in us. And the proof in the pudding is just one chapter later. Right? God comes to Adam and Eve after Adam and Eve sin. And God comes to Adam and he says, what happened? And what does Adam do? He doesn't protect Eve. He throws Eve under the bus. You see what I'm saying? Adam doesn't come to her defense and say, hey, hey, there was a serpent that's talking. And the, hey, look at how that could have, God, 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 hey, hey, hey. No, 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 he just says, her. You know, he's just like, he just throws her under the bus. We don't do that anymore, though, so I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's my point. There's a brokenness in this. And we have to recognize that because God could call some of us to even, not even some of us, he's going to call some of us men, I think, to this, to repentance in this 
because there is a brokenness in us around this idea of being called to protect that which is around us. Sometimes, now listen, I think we have this simply in us. If I was just talking to guys here, I would make a comment like, we get this, don't we? I mean, we're the kind of people in some ways, to, again, varying degrees. I'm never one of these guys that's like, yeah, it's all got to be masculine. No, it, no, it could be, it could be a sensitivity to creation. Uh, we miss that sometimes, a young, a young, a young boy that comes to the defense of the little bug that's getting destroyed by the other kids. Let's not miss that. To, 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 to care for and to keep creation, the garden. So this could be kind of varying degrees. Some of you are kind of like the kind of people who like to have guns in all the different places in your house and you have this vision of how you're going to protect your family when the zombies come and stuff like that. There's varying degrees here of of thinking around this, but in some ways it's just kind of built into us guys, I think, a little bit. This isn't to say that women have none of this. I get the whole like, mama bear, don't mess with mama bear kind of thing. I get it, I get it, I get it. Just let me talk though a little bit to the guys, you know? So as men, as men, are we... How are we doing with this? What does it look like to be somebody who protects the the people around us? And what might that look like? See, it's not only, it's not only, um, I don't beat my wife, so good job, I'm a good protector or something like that. That's not what I'm even talking about. How, let me get, how do you look at somebody who's handicapped? Somebody who's, who's mentally maybe not all there or has physical disability of some kind. How do you as a man look at that person? See, that's even what I'm talking about. Obviously, if you're beating your wife, that's, we gotta deal with that. And that's, that, that does raise a whole nother level of, yes, why we're called to protect. And so when we see that, we're alarmed by that and, and, and a, a, a kind of just a just punishment should be against that, yes. But I'm even saying, what does it look like? How, does it, how do you as a man look at the people around you who are maybe handicapped or maybe lesser, maybe homeless? How do you think about that person? Do you get into kind of like a protect mode or do you get into kind of like a push down mode? Um, you know, I was just thinking of some different things. The unborn you know, those with no voice. How do you think about that, men? Again, I'm talking to everybody, but I have in mind for some reason today, men. How do you think about women? And th- listen, this isn't, just, this isn't just your wife again and how you treat her necessarily, but it's also, it could also be just the way you see people. This past week, I was um, at a, a prayer conference. I was at a prayer retreat with a guy named Paul Miller who wrote a book called A Praying Life. This is a book we give out here at the dwelling to anybody that goes through our core class. And uh, we give this book out. And so when I had the opportunity to actually go and sit at this guy's feet just an hour north of here, I was like, I'm going to go do that. And it was interesting because Paul Miller has this way in which he prays where he uses prayer cards, okay? And I've actually adopted this a couple years ago and I found it to be helpful in my life where he takes a prayer card, he writes a little prayer on it, and then he just prays through prayer cards. 
Well, he shared just this week, one of his prayer cards is that he has on it the way in which he looks at women. That's one of the prayers he said he prays every day. Lord, give me eyes to see women the way you see women. This is a, this is a probably, I don't know, 70-year-old man who's standing up there, who's, who prays every day. Give me eyes to see women the way you'd have me see them, to see them with dignity and respect. How do we do that? Do you see how that can even be a sense in which we protect that particular person? How about the elderly? How do we as men think about the elderly people in our life? Those in the nursing home, our neighbor who needs help with their lawn being mowed, I don't know where this is exactly going to go. All I'm trying to say is, I think God calls us, uh, like we see here with Joseph, who protects Mary. And actually, he doesn't just do it with Mary. Uh, A chapter later, he actually protects Jesus when he is told by, uh, uh, in another dream, to take Jesus away from Herod, who's trying to kill him. Um, In Luke, in Luke's gospel, we see Mary and Joseph being very concerned when Jesus is left in Jerusalem and it says that they're, they're, they're kind of stressed out about that. And, and Mary and Joseph both kick into protective mode to go and find Jesus again. And we see this kind of coming up from Joseph and I'm asking us, where are we called to physically protect the people around us? Help mow their lawn? To, to maybe speak? Uh, to people in a certain way, to look at people in a certain way? Where's God calling us to come alongside the weak and the marginalized to bring protection? Maybe to voices who have no voice. What does that look like for us as men to do that? In varying degrees, I don't, I don't think you all need to go and you know, s- start watching Liver King this guy on, you know, I don't know, some of you guys know who I'm talking about. The really masculine, really tough guy who thinks, you know, uh, 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 hey. that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about care for even creation around us. What does that look like? The person who's concerned about how many trees get cut down, that's legitimate. That's legitimate. Person who wants to save the whales, yeah, I, I get it. I could see it. You know, God might have us in kind of some different ways of which we're kind of living some of these things out. Well, let's not minimize those things either. All I'm saying is, men, I I really see a sense in which God has given us a sense of protection. Okay, I got to move on. Oh, shoot, I never started my timer. Oh, I never started my timer. Perfect. (laughs) Literally, guys, I'm only literally four seconds into the message. This is awesome. (laughs) A man of God steps up and protects. Second point, a man of God listens to God's word and does it. Look at what Joseph does. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken by the prophet, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, here's the word I'm just trying to get to. I'm reading fast because I want to get to this word. 
When he, Joseph woke up, he did it. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. That's what he did. He got a word from the Lord, and then he did it. This is what we've been talking about as we've been talking this last series about how to read the Bible. What is God saying to you, oh man? What's he been speaking to you? What's he been saying about what he's calling you to do in your life? And listen, Joseph had it so much harder than you and me. Let's not miss that. You and I have the testimony, first of all, of Joseph, most likely. Joseph told this about the dream. We have the testimony of Joseph and Mary. We have the testimony of the gospel writers. We have the testimony of hundreds of people who witnessed Jesus and saw him who died on a cross and rose from the dead. We have the testimony of real human beings who said what he did, what Jesus did to heal people and all sorts of stuff. What did Joseph have? I mean, Joseph is just a guy bopping along. He's got the promises. He's got the prophetic writings. I get that. He's got God still working and stuff. Yes, but Joseph is just this guy bopping along. Jesus hasn't died on the cross. Jesus hasn't rose, risen from the dead. Jesus hasn't healed anybody. He's just bopping along. And one day he has a dream about what's going to happen. And Mary's pregnant. And he's being told this. And what does he do? He believes it. He believes it. Everything that is up against the wall that's up against the faith of, of, of Joseph here and the Holy Spirit just moves in him to say, I'm gonna, I just believe it to be true. And he did it. Think of what that would have felt like and sounded like and try to put yourself in Joseph's spot for a second. What's God calling you to? Daily hearing his word and then doing it. See, what concerns me is when I ask that question, what's God been saying? What's God doing in your life? What's he asking you to do? When you have nothing to say and you have nothing to do, it makes me nervous that you're not in God's word. If you have nothing to say, if you have nothing to do, it concerns me that quite possibly you're not in God's word. Because God's word is speaking just this morning. And I'm not, this isn't a brag. This is, I really feel like God did this so I could even just share it. Just this morning, I read three different scriptures, okay? And, and I'm going through the book of Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah right now, and then I read a couple Psalms sometimes. If you were to ask me, what's God saying to you to do today? Here's what I would say. And I was not looking for this. If, if, if you were to ask me, okay, go try to find what God's saying. I would not have gone to these passages. It's just because Jeremiah is what I'm reading and this part, these Psalms, that's where I'm at. All three of these readings that I read this morning spoke about the tongue. Every one of them. Um, and, and specifically, it talked about the tongue as shooting arrows at people in a negative way. Now, honestly, if I were to reflect on my life, I don't feel like I've shot a ton of arrows at people. And yet, if I just sit and let God talk to me, if you were to ask me, what's God saying to you today? I would say this. I would say, it seems like God is saying to me to repent of where I have spoken arrows to people in my life, to say, I'm sorry for that, Lord. I have done that. I've said things to my wife I shouldn't say. I've said things to my kids I shouldn't say. I, I should repent of that. 
I should also ask God to help me to not shoot arrows at people. God, help me with that today. For some reason, you want to bring that to Seth Kunze's attention. And then the third shift that I make in my life is kind of flip it into a positive to say something like, I think God's calling me to encourage somebody today, to actually say something that would help that person and not, not, not only not be an arrow, but actually be a, I don't know, a rainbow or something. I don't know, just speak something good to somebody. You know what I'm saying? If you were to ask me, what is God saying to you today? I would say that. But why? Because I was in his word. And I just sat and listened to it. I'm not looking for it. I'm not trying to make it say to me what I wanted to say. If I was trying to do that, I would not have thought that God would try to work something about the tongue. But that's what he wanted to tell me this morning. And so when I can just sit there and say, okay, what are you saying to me, God? So what's God saying to you? See, oftentimes it's not even, honestly, that's kind of, for me, in my personal time, that's actually kind of extraordinary. Usually it's not like that. Usually he just takes me back to the things I kind of know and he just reminds me of it. So a lot of times I'll open up and he'll just remind me, uh, Seth, you need to repent of your sin. Yeah, you're right, Lord. And, and so a lot of times you, you might ask me, what is, Seth, what is God saying to you? And I just, hey, he's telling me to repent. Or he's telling me he loves me. A lot of times he'll just be telling me he loves me. Or a lot of times he's telling me to give him thanks. Or a lot of times he's telling me to, 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 to praise him and just worship him and sing to him out loud. Or a lot of times he's telling me to, um, I don't know, I got a list here of things. That I, I, I just, these kind of regular things, thanking him, that loving him. He wants me to just love the people around him. He wants to remind me that he loves me. A lot of times that's what I'm hearing from God is not like these, whoa, 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 whoa. Move, you know, move to Kansas, move to Africa. I'm not hearing a lot of that a lot of times. Most of the time, I'm just hearing the stuff I kind of already know, but I'm being reminded of it and reminded of it and reminded of it and just constantly, and that's my walk with the Lord is him just reminding me and reminding me and reminding me. That's what it is a lot of times. Sometimes it's cool where I'm like, oh my gosh, three writings about the tongue that I don't even think I need anything about that. But clearly God wants to. A lot of times it's not that. A lot of times it's just reminders. But what's God saying? We should be able to say on a daily basis or pretty regular basis, a weekly basis, what's God saying to you? And then are we doing it? That's what Joseph does. He hears a super extraordinary word and he does it. He doesn't even hear like a little, give thanks to the Lord. Okay, God, I'll give thanks to you. He hears, Mary didn't do what you thought she did. Uh, I want you to be that guy's dad. And, you know, you're going to have, a, you're, all your friends, all your family, everybody is going to be like, whoa, Joseph. That's what I'm going to call you into. And Joseph is like, okay, I'm going to do it. What a man of God. That's incredible to me. Men of God step up to protect and they also step up to listen to God's word and do it. Last thing, a man of God, now this one gets a little weird, follow me here. A man of God lives a self-controlled life. Holy smokes. Now watch, and I'm pushing the text a little bit, but I don't think I am. Matthew chapter one, verse 25. He takes his wife, but he knows her not. 
until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Did that ever stand out to you as how impressive that is? Women, quite honestly, I don't know if you're going to fully get this. Men, us guys, we understand this. Try to catch up with this a little bit, guys. That's amazing for a couple reasons. First of all, Joseph, as far as I can see, is never told he can't engage in a, a physical relationship with Mary. He's not told he can't. And yet, for some reason, and we don't fully know why, I mean, you know, you can add a little conjecture, I guess, but for some reason, he finds it better to, to, to engage in this relationship with her, as the angel says to do, take her as your wife, and he does, but he's going to not engage with her physically for some reason, uh, probably maybe only known to Joseph, um, but he's going to be self-controlled in that. And I personally find that fascinating. I think Joseph maybe should get a little bit of credit in that. He just, he just sees maybe the, I, I get the sense, this is conjecture, but I get the sense he pulls back, sees the bigger picture and says, you know, if I just don't lean into that right now, that's going to be what's best. That's, that's Seth putting that on the text a little bit, but that's what I sense. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruits of the Spirit. Because in here, in this particular Matthew, Joseph, it doesn't say self-controlled. I just sense he is being self-controlled. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I don't know if that's how that is, but that's how the NIV said it, the way I memorized it as a kid. Self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. This is for not only men, this is women too, but I'm just kind of talking to us guys, thinking about Joseph. What does it look like to live a self-controlled life? This is absolutely countercultural. Our culture teaches you that in the confines of your own home and your own room or whatever, do whatever the heck you want to do. And actually the encouragement is to lean into that, whatever that is, and do it because don't let anybody tell you to stop. Don't, you just do whatever feels best to you as long as our culture has this little thing on it, even though it doesn't fully get this, as long as it doesn't physically hurt somebody, basically, or hurt somebody, just go ahead and do it. And we look at this and we say, no, the Spirit of God might be calling me to a self-controlled life. And I might actually, I might resist and say no. Now this word, self-controlled, and grataya, which is, um, it definitely has a connection to sexual sin, but it doesn't have to just be that. It can be bigger than that, and it is. Where do you need to be living a more self-controlled life? How much TV you watch? What kind of TV you watch? Uh, scrolling on TikTok, video after video after video. Mindless phone time. Honestly, this is probably, for me, more than anybody in the room. Uh, if there was a particular 
thing that self-control drives, that, that verb, that word, drives me to think about where I would need to continue to lean into the Lord's strength to help me with, it'd be that. It'd be the, the kind of, how do I work self-control with this thing? Men of God step up to self-control. And I'm amazed at what Joseph does there. I mean, I just find that very fascinating to me. Now, this is to end. We can learn from Joseph, and yet to make Joseph simply an example that we try to dig deep down and try to make happen on our own would be missing the whole point. The primary point of this text is not Joseph, it's not Mary. The primary focus of this text is is the angel saying, Emmanuel is coming. That's the primary text. That God is coming to be with us. And so when God comes to be with us as the God-man, he becomes our ultimate sense of what it means to be a man. And he's not only an example, although Jesus is always, Jesus is never less than an example, but he's always more than. He becomes our example, but not only example, he becomes the one who comes into us to begin shaping us and molding us through his spirit to be the kind of man that he'd be calling us to be. And so if I need help with self-control, I don't just dig deep and make it happen, Seth. I look to, the, I look to Jesus, who really is someone who, who protected the weak, and he protected the marginalized, and he cared for the least of these. And he met little individual weakling nobodies and he met them and he showed them of incredible value and, and, and he didn't just protect people but he also listened to the father and did what the father told him to do and he didn't just listen to what the father was saying but he also lived an incredibly self-controlled life and so when I look to Jesus yes he's an example but even more than that he becomes my daily strength to help me be a man who'd protect the people around me, to help me be the one who'd actually hear God's word and do it. He'd be the one who'd who'd be working in me to help me to live a self-controlled life. See, this is what Jesus did. He went to the cross, he died on the cross, and then he rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, follow me on this, he becomes, in his resurrection, He becomes, when we look at Jesus now, we see the first first fruits of what one day we will be. We see in him, listen to this, we see in him what, follow me on this, we see in Jesus what it means to really be human. We actually see in Jesus now what it looks like to really be who one day we will be. And we can already begin to enter into that today, not fully and completely because one, we're always looking forward to that day when we will have it in fullness when he returns in our own resurrection. 
But we already can begin to enter into that through our daily dying to self, daily waking up. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't live the most self-controlled life. Repentance and then resurrection. And I can rise up in the newness that God has given to Seth. My, my new creation that he's made in me. I can rise up and I can walk in the spirit in that. And I can actually do what God's calling me to do today, to live a self-controlled life, to be someone who protects the people around me, starting with my kids and my wife and thinking about how I'm supposed to not only shoot not arrows at people, but encourage people. I can lean into his strength because of his death and his resurrection. Go read Ephesians chapter one. Go read Ephesians chapter one where the newness of life in us that we get to live out is connected to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Go read it. And don't miss that Jesus did that for you and for me so that we can already begin to live this, live out the things he's calling us to, even now. Okay, I'm fired up. I'm excited. Uh, I hope you guys, I hope you guys got pumped about that today. We are called to step up, men. And uh, we get, you know, we get some little nice little thoughts and stuff from Joseph, and I really wanted to honor him in a, in a certain sense today. But ultimately, we look to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. Uh, I thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to, to just spend reflecting on what it means to be a man of God. And not only that, but even the women in the room and the kids in the room, everybody in the room, that we all, Lord, are called in a certain sense care for the people around us. We're all called in a certain sense to, to do these things, Lord. And, and so I pray, God, that you would just help us with that. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, would you please now fall afresh upon us? Fall upon us, God. Stir up in us what we needed stirred up in us today and give us the strength to walk out of these doors and and live it this next week and wake up tomorrow morning to hear from you again and to live it that day and to then wake up and do it again and do it again. To really be living our lives by your grace, God. I especially pray for those men in the room, Lord. Please help us, God. Help us to be the kind of men that you call us to be whatever specific thing you may be stirred up in us today, give us the, the strength and the courage to take a step in what you're calling us to take. Be with our guys, Lord. Be with our guys. We're so under attack. And it's not saying nobody else is either, but man, be with our guys, Lord. Help them to know, too, that they're not alone. And almost in a certain sense, we should all sign a piece of paper with all of our names on it that we're really here for each other. So just help our men today, too, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We trust in you. Thank you that you teach us what it means to be a man. We don't have to go to the internet to learn what it means to be a man. We can look to you, Jesus. You teach me what it means to be a man of God. 